Lewis. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Welcome to another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life. Alan, how are you feeling, my brother? Feeling like I could take on the world. Jeez! <laughs> I've got to say it, I'm really shocked you picked Puck before me, bro. Really <laughs> shocked. I want to know why. Tell me why. It was only a matter of time before we got to Tupac. Like, it's just been, it's all, it was always on the agenda. We were never not going to do many Tupac songs like it's just gonna happen I, when we were growing up it's like everyone's favorite rapper right like he just was I know there'd be a few people we won't we won't name them who would say that Biggie was better there was always this question but for me it was never close I don't it might be controversial but it wasn't because that's no shade to Biggie who was a brilliant artist great rapper but for me it was always like what Park wrote about and the way he wrote about it was just always on a different level he was like a a true storyteller and a poet. And he's got so many brilliant tracks. Like I, I had a whole list of Park songs that I considered bringing. Eventually I thought I'd go for this one first, just because it was one of my favorites when I was a kid. I love the instrumental. And I think he just dropped some real, real knowledge on this track. Absolute facts. I ain't got much to say because it's Tupac. You know what I mean? You don't have to go into too much detail. It's, it's easily one of the, best rappers ever do you know what I mean I just wanted to say that Tupac was my favorite before Kendrick came into my life so before Kendrick it was Tupac and I don't think it's any surprise that Kendrick's drawn a lot of inspiration from Tupac and Kendrick's favorite rapper is Tupac he's an incredible rapper for me even more so anything you to reiterate what you said is that he's just an incredible poet and I'll never forget I think I was I must have been 15, 16, 17. I can't remember how old I was. I read his poetry book, The Rose That Grew From The Concrete. I don't know if you've if you've read it yourself. I've heard of it, you know? but I haven't read it. Man, I'm blown away. I swear he wrote it when he was like 16 or 17 years old. He was not old when he wrote what he wrote in that book. And I can easily say that Parks had a huge influence on my life. And that's not something that I can say easily. Do you know what I mean? When you say that someone... You might have never met, but just through their music, influenced the way you thought, the way you actioned yourself, and the way you carried yourself through your life. Park was just too much, man. And I cannot wait to get started. Who's up first? You're up. Can you picture my prophecy? Stress in the city, the cops is hot for me. The projects is full of bullets, though bodies is dropping, there ain't no stopping me. Can you picture my prophecy? Stress in the city, the cops is hot for me. The projects is full of bullets, though bodies is dropping, there ain't no 
snap. <laughs> Full snap. <laughs> it's hard to read, Alan. It's hard to read that he called it. You know what I mean? He's called it about himself in some respects. Can you picture my prophecy? It's hard to read it because he was such an incredible artist and to lose him so young is it's hard to accept at times. At this point of time, Tupac might have been one of the most famous people in the world for all the wrong reasons. He was in a cycle of lawsuits and being negatively portrayed by the media hard for those those things that he was like facing criminal time for, let's say. Projects is full of bullets. Though bodies are dropping, there ain't no stopping me. I hope this doesn't come across in an insensitive way. The words more specifically for me, the mindset of ain't no stopping me can be so dangerous, Alan. It's so dangerous to think like that. Uh, sometimes you can be almost filled with so much conviction with anything that facing that ultimate truth can be almost as costly as losing your life. I've heard things like this place will fall apart if I ever left. And then guess what? A year later, you find out you're the person that's been made redundant and the place ain't falling apart. You know, that whole ain't no stopping me, ain't no stopping me, I'm going to get it all over everything and I feel like it's a dangerous mindset and while I respect Park for his conviction, I do believe it's that same conviction that can lead you into these very tumultuous uh, situations, if that makes sense. And then for Park, his loss is so sad for me because he really had a message, was speaking on real truths at a time when it was not both commercially or publicly appropriate to speak on such things. That's what sticks out to me even more so than anything else, is that his message wasn't, you know, woke wasn't woke then. Do you know what I mean? His message was woke, but it did not exist back then. And he was a generational in that, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said, it is prophetic when he says, can you picture my prophecy? And it's kind of, it reminds me of Huey Freeman's opening line in season one of Boondocks. He says, I am not a prophet, but sometimes I have prophetic dreams. I'm not a prophet, but sometimes I have prophetic dreams. How many of Tupac's lyrics either turned out to be true or they remained true to this day, you know? Like you said, even down to his own violent death which he wrote about so many times he, he wrote about it so many times it's not surprising that people have conspiracy theories about it because it's like he predicted it like a whole song letter to my unborn child about the idea of not being around much longer and even what he said on the recording that you hear on mortal man on kendrick's album to pimp a butterfly it could have been said yesterday and it probably was said yesterday somewhere on twitter right like those things are being talked about right now to hear him open like that, can you picture my prophecy, is incredible. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about with this this line and this whole verse is how incredible his flow is. People rightly talk about how great Biggie's flow is, but this here is actually incredible. The beat is just a simple 4-4 four, four rhythm. Like it's nothing complicated. And usually with that sort of beat, a rappers would just have their bars delivered where you know you start with the first beat, you finish on the fourth beat or the 8th or the 16th, whatever the, how many bars you've got, but you would finish on that last beat. But Pat completely disregards that convention here. He raps outside of the bars for the whole verse. It took me a while to notice it. 
So when the first bar drops, can you picture my prophecy? The first word doesn't hit on the first beat. The word that actually hits on the beat is prophecy. So if you listen to it, he says, can you picture my all before the beat even drops? And then he hits prophecy as the beat drops. Can you picture my prophecy? Stress in the city, the cops are top of me. It's completely outside the bars, which is crazy. And then he says, there ain't no stopping me. And stopping me actually comes on the first beat of the next bar. And that's why I think it sounds so smooth, that style of writing, because it gives the flow a kind of swing that matches the instrumental feel of this track. And I just think it's so incredible when you think about not just writing what he's saying, like the, the, the deep message that he's putting forward, but then to also put it in this offbeat style that delivers it like this. It's incredible writing, incredible flow. You know, I'm really glad you highlighted that because it makes me want to listen to the song another 400 times that what I've done, listen to it on the train to where I come back. So I can't wait to listen to it. And it's weird that you highlight what you highlight because it does make sense what you're saying. And it does highlight something about what I, whenever I listen to Park, is his enunciation. The reason why I repeat a lot of some of his bars in the way that he says it at the end of a sentence is probably because of what you've just described there. Yeah, and it makes it also hard to read it without the beat because it's not how you expect to read lyrics. You expect the first bar to hit on the first beat. That's just what you think. I was sitting here listening to it, like counting like a metronome, just trying to figure out if, if what he was doing. And then I was like, wow, this is incredible. Oh man, that's amazing. I'm so, this is the first bar, bro. <laughs> amazing, bro. <laughs> Gas. Who's next? You're up. Witnessing killings, leaving dead bodies in abandoned buildings. Witnessing killings, leaving dead bodies in abandoned buildings. Not a massive one here, but I was, we talk about bars, rhymes in life and how it connects to something either in your past, present or future. And don't this make you think of season four of The Wire? <laughs> I almost wrote this. <laughs> I, I, I had to. I was just thinking about Snoop and Chris under the orders of Marlowe killing people and hiding them in abandoned buildings and no one finds out or cares literally for a whole year and park said it in a lyric and i would subconsciously if the writers of the wire picked up on that because that is literally that and it's just you know it's amazing it's amazing it's ama you, man hip-hop is a is a historical record <laughs> facts absolute facts who's next you're up again hard-headed bastard Maybe he'll listen in his casket. The aftermath, more bodies being buried. I'm losing my homies in a hurry. They're relocating to the cemetery. Again, I don't know why, but it really reminds me of the story of Michael Young History on Lupe Fiasco's track. Mm. The Cool on Food and Liquor. The Cool. Came back in the same suit that he was buried in. Does, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. got that, that, that thing to it. Because, and I think it's so prophetic that Puck uses the word, maybe he will listen. Maybe he'll listen. Because even after death, Michael Young History goes straight to the place where he got shot and where, where he owned the streets and where he ran game. He goes straight there after death. So he says, maybe he'll listen in his casket. 
So even after being shot, even after being killed, after even being betrayed, he's still a slave to the streets. And so I think it's very clever of Park to use the word, maybe he'll listen. Because, you know, we use this thing that, oh, if I was to do it all over again, I would never have done that. And I would never have done that. But Park's, what's the word? Cerebral enough to say, hey, some people even after death won't change a thing, even if they know it was wrong. So I just like the use of that word. Maybe I think is key into that in that passage. I think Park is trying to state that even after death, the mentality won't change. Relocating to the cemetery is just a nice bar for me because it ties in with the abandoned buildings from the line that I mentioned before. <laughs> so just it's just clever. It just ties in. It's so nice. It's just just smooth, as you say. But there's some serious bars in here and there's some serious writing in here. So just loved it. Nice. Yeah, it's also just a really, it's like a sad line, isn't it? Like, you, you know, it's a reality of people losing friends to the cemetery. And it's not something that you kind of expect to happen in, in a normal life. But some people do live that life. And it's ingrained, God forbid, and you know, I don't mean this in a, you know, I mean this in a jokey way. But if I lost you to gang violence, <laughs> it would be a bit it, of a surprise. <laughs> but <laughs> it should it should force me to not want to partake in gang violence. But what it does is force me to partake in gang violence. And, and you know, Kendrick does that in Good Kid, Mad City. Do you see what I mean? He explains and highlights that in uh, Sing About Me. In a fight he tried to put up, but the type of bullet that stuck had went against his will. Last blood spill on your hands, my plan's rather vindictive. Everybody's a victim in my eyes. When I ride, this a murderous rhythm. And outside became pitch black, a demon glued to my back, whispering, get him, I got him, and I ain't give a fuck. That same mentality I told my brother not to duck. After his friend gets shot, that the guy that talks to Kendrick saying, I know I'm glad you're being who you are and trying to make a difference, but I don't care. I'm going to go get the people that got my brother. It, yeah, it doesn't like, matter. It, it just won't. It won't stop. It's ingrained. It's just, you know, it's inherent. And Park knows it. And how many years ago did Park call it? It's next level. Right? I don't know. We say this all the time, but I don't get afraid about saying it all the time, man, because it's just the truth at the end of the day. Absolutely. Right. I'm up next. I'm heading for danger, don't trust strangers, but one in the chamber whenever I'm feeling this anger. Bars. So there's two ways you could potentially interpret that last line, but one in the chamber whenever I'm feeling this anger. Either Puck is loading his gun to turn it on his enemies when he feels anger, or he's loading the gun to turn it on himself. And if it's the latter, it wouldn't be the only time that Park has mentioned this. Like in the opening line of changes, he says, wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? And then in the song Thug's Mansion, he says, I once contemplated suicide and would have tried. But when I held that nine... All I could see was my mama's eyes. I once contemplated suicide and would have tried, but when I held that night, all I could see was my mama's eyes. I don't know what Park's intention with this line was. It could have been either, or it could have just been deliberately ambiguous. But either way, I always hear it as a kind of suicide reference, maybe because of those other references that he's made. And it reminds me of this fact. In the US, 
in 2019, there were 39,000 deaths from gunshots. Do you know what percentage of those gunshots were suicide? I'm going to hazard a guess because I feel like I've heard this on a podcast. And I'm going to say 60%. It is exactly 60%. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got Which a is... question right for once. <laughs> got the knowledge. Stat, Abby. It's unbelievable, right? Because you just don't think that. You think, okay, 39,000 people died from gunshots. It must be violence. It must be shootouts with the police. This, that. 60% are suicide. Unbelievable. And there's a lot of people who had the same thought as Tupac, you know? And... I'm glad he acknowledges stuff like that because, and you know, Kendrick does similar on the track You is something that people should talk about and it's good for him to mention it in this way. One thing that I would definitely say about Nas, Kendrick, Park, I'm sure there's loads of other rappers out there, it's just the ones that come to mind, is the ability to display vulnerability and objectiveness. It's, mm. it's, it's so key to for me anyway to be able to connect and park displays this so much throughout all of his tracks and you mentioned so many bars from a load of tunes that you're going to give me a load of work on now <laughs> but it's a case of yeah it's, it's it's a testament to the power of his art true you're up don't want to make excuses because this is how it is what's the use unless we're shooting no one notices the youth don't want to make excuses because this is how it is what's the use unless we're so carrying on for what I just said, I just love the objectiveness and duality here. Initially, I thought Park is just trying to paint his picture. And then, you know how artists will paint a picture and then shrug, like, shrug their shoulders and say, like, that's just the way it is, isn't it? Just as he said in Changes, that's just the way it is. I let it go back to when we played as kids, but then changed. That's the way it is. What he is trying to get at, though, is that unless people of colour were shooting people, more specifically being caught shooting white people it at the time seemed to be the only way to get public media attention but for me what about the educational system for the most deprived states what about the school where ricky the real ricky rose ross came out of and missed the tent missed out on a tennis scholarship because he came out of that school illiterate like no one was paying attention to that and so unless we're shooting no one notices the youth like, then no one's paying attention to our youth because unless we're shooting people and creating a scene, no one really is paying attention to us. There's a lot of people out there that believe Park encouraged violence or gang life. And the flip side of that is there's a lot of people out there screaming thug life, acting all big and gangster. And I just was wondering, uh, just a question to you. Did you know what thug life stands for, Alan? Yes, I do, because I read a book about it. The Hate You Give. That's it. The Hate You the hate you Give Little Infants fucks everybody. That's it. And a quote from Park is, I didn't create thug life, I diagnosed it. What you feed us as seeds grows and blows up in your face. And so True. I just want to say straight up, like, on both sides, if you think that hip-hop or individuals like artists uh, artists like Tupac were promoting violence and like you know thug life and all that stuff you've got it wrong same side to the other thing is if you're going around screaming out thug life getting into fights and shooting people and being participating into 
drive-bys and saying screaming out thug life you've got it wrong you've got park wrong so you need to figure yourself out and actually listen to his lyrics and create a, a a true identity for yourself stop trying to pretend to be something that you're not yeah truth um there's actually a book called the hate you give which is a really good novel and there's a film based on it same name worth checking out with these themes fire who's next europe they punish the people that asking questions and those that possess steal from the ones without possessions the message i stress to make it stop study your lessons don't settle for less even the geniuses asks his questions they punish the people that's asking questions and those that possess Still from the ones without possessions The message I stress To make it stop, study your lessons Don't settle for less Even the genius asks questions Snap Nice I'm going to mention three names Mahatma Gandhi Malcolm X Martin Luther King All people that challenge governments with regards to oppression and status quo All killed Could you blame Park for his paranoia? Could you blame him for his paranoia? Sometimes I feel um, like, at least even in his music, Kendrick struggles with this too, because he's, you know, he's challenging status quo. He's challenging some of this stuff. And it reminds me of the line, but I can't remember it. And I'll need you to correct me on this. I think it was a, mo a most deaf line where scraping of people, nothing as a cash cow. Um, killing fields need blood to graze the cash cow. That's the one. game, but shit don't add up somehow. Does that make sense to these bars? It, it ties in directly, isn't it? Yeah. Even the genius asks his questions. And it reminds me of a bar from you, Alan, which I've learned from you and I've used so many times with a lot of other people was the more you learn, the less you know. And I love that. <laughs> and, and, and I know you, I, I got that from you. So I'm calling out any dickhead that out there that is arrogant about knowing it all and making people feel dumb to make themselves feel better just shut the fuck up man park is even telling you that even the genius asks his questions it's something that i've absorbed from you and you know from reading and stuff in general and it's something that's made me so much happier and <laughs> without using the term incorrectly more intelligent in my own life but I don't mean to say that I'm super, super intelligent because I realise that the more I learn, um, the less I know. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I snapped you on that that line, even a genius asks these questions because asking questions is so fundamental to like any kind of growth and people who might appear smart to us or to anyone probably got there by constantly asking questions. Like even outside of learning and like formal education just navigating something like the news or social media asking questions can make you much less susceptible to like disinformation or persuasion you know you see a headline that says study shows x and then you ask well what study who carried it out is it peer-reviewed who funded it does this headline actually represent what they found and just by asking those questions even if you don't have the answers you make yourself a little bit more aware. And I don't, I'm not saying you should be cynical. Like it's not saying you have to completely disregard everything and imagine there's no truth. But just asking those questions can be like a, a good step towards critical thinking. Sometimes all you need to do is find the right questions. Facts, bro. Who's next? You're up.
The powers in the people and the politics we address. Always do your best, don't let this pressure make you panic. And when you get stranded and things don't go the way you planned it. The power is in the people and politics we address. Always do your best, don't let the pressure make you panic. And when you get stranded and things don't go the way you planned it. Snap again. <laughs> so I thank Park and Kendrick for this message. I have grown to learn from them that conviction is so much more important than being pressured into believing or behaving to the confines of the herd quote-unquote herd it's okay to be different it's okay to not follow the crowd provided that you've thought about it and not panicked yourself into a choice I think about people you know we talk about taking the vaccine and not taking the vaccine and the mo the best thing that I've always tried to stress to people is to try and make an informed decision don't just buy on everything that everyone tells you because it's just wrong at the end of the day I was pro I'm pro vaccine I'm pro information I'm pro science because you as I see it I know I understand it all I understand all those things but at the same time it doesn't mean that I'm gonna force someone or make someone feel less of a person for not choosing to have the vaccine if they don't want to have it don't have it it's fine what I don't need is you pressuring me and saying did you have it? Why did you have it? Oh, did you know about X, Y, Z, to that? And the flip side is me maybe pushing to you, Alan, like, why have you not had the vaccine yet? Why have you not had the vaccine? Blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, there's no need to force anyone into anything and you try to let people just make a, an informed decision that's for themselves, like, you know, what's right for themselves. More importantly, Alan, though, and I need to stress this, when you choose this path, you are going to feel alone at times and you are going to feel stranded. Something that you set out to achieve might not go the way you wanted it to. You have to stay true to yourself and you have to find that center in you and don't let it shift. Because as another Park tune told us, you got to keep your head up. So will the real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies. But keep your head up. Ooh, that song very nearly made it to this episode. It was a close call. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, and then for the record, uh, for the listeners, I have had my vaccine, just, just in case there was any doubt. <laughs> but I agree with what you're saying. And there's just so much truth in these lines. And I find them especially relatable, especially this idea of don't panic when things don't go the way you planned it. I always feel better about things when I know what to expect. Like uncertainty just stresses me out. Like if I have a plan for the day and then something else comes up that changes the plan, it just throws me off, completely throws me off. And I end up like, I end up trying to avoid that by controlling things as much as I can, control my environment, control the circumstances. But then if you can't, you end up getting anxious or stressed, which is not good. And this is like a classic thought pattern you'll come across in like cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff. It's the need to control everything and then feeling stressed if you can't control it. I don't know what the best way to avoid it is, but like Park says, don't let the pressure make you panic and you know, try to avoid catastrophizing it. Fix what you can and then let go of what you can't, if that makes sense. And I think it's a really relatable thing because I think everyone at some point feels this sense of things haven't gone how I wanted them to do and now everything's fucked. And he's just saying, don't worry, take a step back, be okay. Absolutely, man. Too much knowledge. Anytime you listen to Pack, you're going to get some knowledge, man. 
Truth, you're up again. If I'm insane, it's the fame made a brother change. It was nothing like the game. It's just me against the world. If I'm insane, it's the fame made a brother change. It wasn't nothing like the game. It's just me against the world. I just love the openness and the objectiveness. And we discussed before about the vulnerability to accept that fame might have changed him and that he might not be that true representation of himself to this brother that he's talking to. It, it's a really powerful line for me, Alan. Like, you know, it's really powerful for me that if I'm insane, it's the fame that made the brother change. Like, he's he's willing. you got to think about it. I don't know if he was 23, 24, 25, but it was towards the end, right? It wasn't necessarily... Um, in his earlier years, it was more like 20 to 25. And you go to yourself, he even he had enough perception to say to himself, if I ain't what you're thinking of me, it's probably because I've just had a lot going on. It was nothing like the game. It's just me against the world. Like, imagine the shift in what Park was experiencing. He knew the streets at a multitude of levels. How did you expect him to not feel what he was feeling? Like lawsuits, jail, fame. It's a lot to handle, you know. It's a lot to handle. And I don't I don't blame him at all for literally thinking, it's just me against the world. It's just me against the world right now. I actually, especially with all that, all those lawsuits against him and stuff, you got to think about it. Uh, and this is something that's always come up in my head is that while social media has got good points and bad points I think it was worse for superstars in that day and age because everything was funneled through these specific channels and so when the attention came to you through those channels the whole world was looking at you Mm. The, the, the whole world wasn't looking at everything else at the same time the whole world was looking at you and I say this about Michael Jordan as well because a lot of people make these comparisons between LeBron James and Michael Jordan and I'm not just I'm not here to discuss who had it harder in some respects I believe that LeBron James had it a lot harder than Michael Jordan but in terms of a the focus and the attention well it was funneled through these few channels and so when those channels were pointed at you it meant the whole world was looking at you. Whereas nowadays, I feel like, yeah, the whole world sometimes can collaborate together on something viral and focus on you. And you've got the numbers to prove that, yeah, there's a lot of people looking at you at this this time. And, you know, this, this video's got over 7 million hits or whatever. But I just think no one could have felt as alone as he did in that moment of time when he was in jail and when he was going through all that shit. And it's not to say that it was he was he was in jail for like he was innocent. I don't know. I don't know it that well enough to know whether he had committed crimes or not committed crimes. I'm just saying that for him to feel like this, he must have been in a very, very difficult place. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably one of the things that I really related to when I was a teenager was one of my favorite ones because I had that same sense you probably everyone does when you're a teenager you get a sense of like everyone's out to get you and you do sometimes feel like oh screw it it's me against the world I know on the MSN messenger my 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 uh, username for ages was just me against the world like it's, it's it was so relatable for me at that time shout out MSN messenger you will have heard it on a podcast before 
It's Legend. all in there. <laughs> Who's next? You're up. Through every dark night, there's a bright day after that. So no matter how hard it get, stick your chest out, keep your head up and handle it. Through every dark night, there's a bright day after that. So no matter how hard it get, stick your chest out, keep your head up and handle it. So the first line reminds me of probably one of my favourite movie quotes of all time. And I use it whenever and wherever I have the opportunity to use it. It's from Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight. And it's the night is darkest before the dawn. Things are worse than ever. Yes, they are. But the night is darkest just before the dawn. And Alan, I can't tell you how many times I say this in my head or I say this at work <laughs> or I say this for anything. So, you know, when people go, Abby, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And I just look at them and I say, don't worry, the night is darkest before the dawn. Because it's so true, man. Sometimes you feel like something is happening that is just so world ending or just so impeding. And you just think, shit. Only the other day, I, I went to work and it was the first time I was going to this particular place. And I left my phone at home. And I was just like, what am I going to do? Because I have no way of telling I, and this is the first time I've ever been to this building. So I've never been to this building before either. So it was a case of how the hell am I going to get there without a phone, without GPS, without anything? And I just said to myself, don't worry, Abby, the night is darkest before the dawn. You're going to figure this out. And I just think it's such a poetic way to to end a tune that really is him expressing all the shit he's going through. He's going through some serious shit and he proper feels alone and he feels like it's him against the world but he's still what's the word alan get the word out for me he's still hopeful hopeful mm, enough optimistic he's still optimistic enough to say you know what even though it's dark tomorrow is going to be a bright day and i just wanted to say to anyone out there who's struggling with anything doesn't matter how big or how small stick your chest out keep your head up and handle it Listen to Pop, man. He's always got the knowledge to drop on you. True. I want to say nothing but love R.I.P. to Tupac Shakur. All of Park's fans. All the BRL listeners. Nothing but love to you, Alan. One. Peace. Peace.